Welcome back. We are jumping right into the message that I have the privilege and honor of sharing on Tuesday evening with New Life Ministries, which is based in Lowell, Massachusetts. The night before I was going to share the message, I was talking to my daughter, who described disappointment in a friendship where they were talking about faith, and the person she was talking to said, How can you call yourself a Christian when? Dot, dot, dot. As you can imagine, a mistake from the past became the topic of conversation. He said, how can you call yourself a Christian when you have made this mistake? Aren't you called to live life perfectly when you become a Christian? How can you call yourself a Christian? You can't be a true Christian. Has anybody ever experienced this? That reminder from someone, a trigger from the past, anything at all that draws out the feeling of shame. When I was an early teenager, I told a lie to anyone who would listen that I had a twin sister. One day it was found out and when I was asked why, I would say, I don't know. It took years before I understood that I truly felt like two people. Those who experienced the part of me that was pleasant, kind, gentle, and good did not believe I could possibly do anything wrong. At the same time, those who experienced the part of me that was selfish, avoidant, addicted, and flirtatious did not believe I could possibly do anything right. Because I was one or the other. I let people believe for as long as I could get away with it that there were two of me out there, the good one and the not so good one, because I felt like two different people. Shame has a way of doing this, of giving us permission to believe that one behavior defines us, that we are the consequence of our actions, not that we experience those consequences, but that we are the consequences that we are a sum of every mistake we have ever made. So what is shame? Where does it come from? In Genesis 3-7, the the very first book of the Bible, after Adam and Eve have eaten the forbidden fruit, the fruit that God distinctly instructed against, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. When they are questioned, their response to God was that they were ashamed because they were naked. So they hid from God. Adam and Eve were ashamed. The very first book of the Bible, the very first creation of man They were ashamed. They were exposed. The truth was revealed, and now they knew they had been found out. Just like the rest of us, they wanted to cover it up, and they became uncomfortable with everything being out there to be seen. Shame can be defined as a highly unpleasant self-conscious emotion arising from the sense of there being something dishonorable or immodest in one's own conduct or circumstances. We all feel shame. And shame doesn't just arise because of something we have done. It doesn't have to be sin-based. The poor, uninvited, sick, 
those who are excluded because they are different. They may still feel shame because the world determined a hierarchy of importance and those mentioned are not at the top of the list. People who are left with less advantage in life for one reason or another, who have been taught by society that they don't deserve the same as everyone else, they may internalize this as their reality and feel ashamed. But let's look at what scripture tells us about this. Luke 8.48 Jesus doesn't just heal a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. He called her daughter. He identified her as one of his, as belonging to him. In Matthew 8.2 Jesus didn't just heal the leper. He touched him. In Luke 14, 13 through 14, it says, But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Well, how about people who experience unwanted exposure? In John 8, Jesus was teaching, and there was a big crowd. The Pharisees and teachers of religious law brought a woman caught in adultery, ready to stone her. They were shaming her. And then here comes Jesus, and he begins just writing their names in the dust, exposing others of things they have said. When the pleas continue, Jesus responds, Okay, let the one who has never sinned be the first to throw a stone. And he continues writing the names in the dust, reminding people that not one of them could claim to have not sinned because they all clearly have. But here's this woman feeling shame because she has been exposed. How does shame feel? Shame is felt in the limbic system. It activates that part of our nervous system, which is called the sympathetic nervous system. Now, that's the same part of us that is activated during times of stress. Shame draws out a stress response. And just as in times of stress, where it moves us to fight, flee, or freeze, so does shame. When we feel shame, it can cause us to hide, to create walls, isolate ourselves, to believe that we are ineffective as a part of the body of Christ. Shame infects our identity and our worldview, making us skeptics of good and hopeful things, causing us to be suspicious of other people's intentions and of our own. Shame creates a sense of insecurity Shame pushes us into a self-fulfilling prophecy where we begin to repeat cycles of shameful activity because if we believe that is who we are, why would we ever try to pursue something different? When we feel shame, we enter into enemy territory. So why would Jesus bring sin to light? Why would our sins, our past, our weaknesses, our failures, why would they be allowed in the light if shame is so painful? Because the purpose of Jesus drawing out truth was to expose what was in darkness so that repentance and healing could begin. But if we feel shame, it prevents us 
from repentance and healing. It prevents that light from shining in and from creating something good. So how do we fight back? We discover who we really are. In Ephesians, the word of God says, we are blessed, loved, chosen, holy, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, included, marked, and called. And that's just the beginning. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Next, live who you are. Sometimes the intentional happens in the mundane. We are intentional in the way we live our daily life. We live in the true identity. And then take a lesson from Isaiah 53, 7. It says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. In his silence, Jesus demonstrated humility in the face of pride, wisdom in the face of earthly power, truth and love where there was hatred and distortion. Silence was the winning argument. There is a time for words, but they need to be backed by character, dignity, and peace. We are more effective when we live the kingdom than when we argue it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with all of our shame. We confess the ways in which we have allowed our identity to come from anything but you. Lord, we are your creation. We are defined by you, held by you. When our sins or struggles are brought to light, don't let us enter into enemy territory. Lord, let us turn it over to you so you can remind us of your healing power, of your redemptive nature, and of your unending love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy this beautiful day, and remember to join me next week for the last episode of this series titled, I Need My Monster. God bless.